Welcome to the Faith Bridge Sermons podcast. Today's sermon features worship pastor Lizzie Bailey, and it was recorded on Sunday, July 10th, 2022. As always, if you're in the area, join us this Sunday on campus at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. and come say hi in person. Or you can learn about our ways to connect with life-changing community here at FaithBridge during the week as well. You can simply email info at faithbridge.org to learn how. And don't forget, you can always join us for FaithBridge at home at faithbridge.org slash live. Here's Lizzie. Good morning. So good to see all of your faces this morning. Welcome to you. Welcome to you in the communion room. And if you're watching online, so glad that you've joined us. We are going to continue our study of the book of Luke, looking at chapter 10 this morning. I have loved this whole year just looking at the gospel of Luke, looking at the life of Jesus. It's the best life we can look at. Um, If you would like to follow along in an actual physical Bible, our friendly ushers are walking around the room in the communion room as well, and we'll hand you one. Just lift a hand if you'd like one. And if you don't have your own copy of the scriptures, take this home um, as our gift to you. We're so glad that you have jumped in with us. So looking at Luke chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 25. Behold, the lawyers stood up and put him to the test. That's Jesus. He said, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, but who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers. They stripped him, they beat him, and they departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came to where he was, he saw him and he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine and then he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I'll pay you back. Now, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. Lord, we give you this time. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak. I just acknowledge that I can't do anything or say anything Uh, good apart from you. And so we pray that you'd speak to us, open our hearts, open our minds, and help us hear what you want us to hear to become the people you've created us to be this morning. Amen. Well, I grew up in church, and I believed, although I didn't say this out loud, I lived as if this was true, that if I was a good person, a moral person, um, a nice person, I would be okay. I would go to heaven when I died, I would be in the good guys club. And so I tried pretty hard throughout my life and you know, I was a good student, I got married, I think I've been a pretty decent mom and wife. Uh, But I've always felt that there is more, there was more to life. You know, I, I like to ask the big questions. You know, the big questions like, what is the meaning of life? Why am I here? 
what is the purpose of existence? I'm a, I'm a real barrel of fun at parties. Um, but I, I, I'm haunted by these questions. I ask these questions. And as I studied this passage, you know who I identified and related to the most in the story? Not, unfortunately, the Good Samaritan, but really the lawyer. Now, this, this guy, this lawyer, was not necessarily a lawyer in the way we think, think of it, but he was an expert in the Jewish law. So he would have memorized tons of scripture. He knew God's law. He knew what God had told his people to do. He was an expert on it. Uh, and he, you know, when he asks this big question, the kind of question I like, what do I do to inherit eternal life? Like, what? that's it, right? That, that's the big question. And, and Jesus, like a good teacher, doesn't answer directly. He says, rather, what do you think? You've studied? You've read the law? What's the answer to the question? And he says it. He knows. Quote the Old Testament, no hesitation. Love the Lord your God, all your heart, all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, yep, that's it. Good job. Do this and you will live. But this guy had a hard time with simple answers. And I have a hard time with simple answers. If overthinking was an Olympic sport, I would have lots of medals. Um, surely it's harder than that. Surely there's, there's more theological debate involved. There's more mystery. There's more riddle. But Jesus says, no, that's it. Love God. Love your neighbor. So he presses in a little bit. But who is my neighbor? He wants to know. What do I have to do? Let's get specific. And we get a little bit of insight into his motive. In verse 29, it says, he wanted to justify himself. Now, that word justify is a legal term. It means to be cleared of all wrong, to be pronounced innocent. So this, is, this guy's trying to get to that spot with God uh, by his own actions. Do you see that? Do you see that he, his, his mindset is, if I believe the correct things, if I think the right thoughts, God will accept me. I'll be in the club. And I identify with that because I've thought that a lot in my life. Um, to justify yourself is the same kind of attitude. We've all had it, I think. I've had it for sure. It's the same kind of attitude that's uh, kind of like this. Well, okay, we need to leave at 645. The thing is at 7, so let's be ready to go. Okay. So I get ready. I was raised by a, a man who instilled the value of on-timeness to me. And so I'm ready. I've got my clothes on, got my makeup on. Maybe some other people in my house are not ready at that time. And so we're late. And I'm just like, well, guys, I did what I was supposed to do. I knew that we needed to be ready at this time. I did it. I was ready. They were not. And I just want you all to know that I did what I was supposed to do. <laughs> that is wanting to justify yourself. That's wanting everybody to know you did the right thing. And that's where this guy's at. Uh, he is thinking in a religious way. Um, the way of religion is all about performance. It's all about what you do, the actions that you take for God to accept you. And really, all the religions of the world operate this way, right? Um, you could dissect the different religions, and there's a certain set of practices or rules um, that you need to follow and keep. And if you do that, you'll get to paradise, you'll be in the club, whatever, you'll be okay with God. 
But what Jesus is showing this expert in the law is that is not how the gospel works. It is not do this, 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 and I'll accept you. You cannot justify yourself by your works. Only Jesus can do that. So when the man asks the who is my neighbor question, uh, rather than answering him directly, Jesus says, well, let me tell you a story. He'd love to tell stories because stories get to our heart, and that's what Jesus was interested in. So he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. Many of us are very familiar with this, even if we didn't grow up in faith. Like, we've all heard of the Good Samaritan. Uh, The setting of the story was relevant. It was relatable to his audience. Everybody knew about the road from uh, Jerusalem to Jericho. It was a windy, canyon-y, steep, kind of treacherous road, really famous for robbers hiding and jumping on people and doing exactly what happened to this man. Beat him almost to death, stole his possessions, left him stripped and helpless and bleeding in the ditch. This guy is utterly unable to help himself at this point. So along comes a priest. Uh, A priest is a professional religious person. Their job is to be an in-between with God and people, to tell the people what God said, to teach them how to live. Surely he will help this guy. He knows all the answers. But he doesn't. He makes it left. Other side of the road. Don't be too hard on him. He was keeping the rules, actually. Um, There was a law that said if you touched a dead person or a dead animal, that you would be unclean. And then there were all these rituals to get clean again. And ain't nobody got time for that. So he went on his way. And now we have a Levite. A Levite's also uh, worked in the temple, worked in the church. Their specific job was to help with sacrifices. The sacrificing of animals and offerings was part of worship in that time. So a Levite, that was like his vocation, to help with sacrifices. Will he help? No. He also takes a turn, goes his way. Finally, we have a Samaritan. We talked about this before, but uh, Samaritans and Jews hated one another. Uh, Samaria was a region of Israel, and um, generations before, the Samaritans had sort of departed from the Jewish faith. They had married people from other places and other races, and the Jews hated them. They had altered God's law and the Jews couldn't stand to even be in their presence. In fact, when they were traveling and they came to Samaria, they would go around to avoid interaction. We're talking deep racial enmity between Samaritans and Jews. I was talking to a friend in between and she was like, it'd be kinda like somebody who had just gone to like an anti-abortion rally, seeing somebody wearing all MAGA gear on the side of the road and helping them. For a, for a contemporary comparison. Those two groups typically don't get along. They don't like each other, right? So here's this Samaritan, the last person we would expect to be the hero of the story, the person who had every reason to turn the other way, and he doesn't. He stops. It says he sees him. He has compassion, and compassion is not just a feeling. Compassion starts with a feeling, but it must be manifested in action, and so he moves to help. He has resources, he has a donkey, he has money, he has some wine and oil. He likely had a whole entourage with him Um, because you didn't travel that road alone. If you did, you were kind of asking to get attacked. Only a dummy would do that. So he, he helps, he gives what he has, he helps, he saves this person's life. 
and without a single selfie or Facebook post about what a great guy he is, he heads on his way. And that's the end of the story. And I can imagine Jesus looking into the eyes of this expert at religion and saying, who was the neighbor in this situation? And his answer is so interesting. He says, the one who showed him mercy. Notice he can't even bring himself to say Samaritan. The one who showed him mercy. Now, why does he mention mercy? Mercy is to show goodness to someone who does not deserve it. Uh, It's to withhold what they deserve and to rather give them something good. And this word is normally reserved for acts of God toward people. Uh, God shows us mercy in our brokenness and our sin. And mercy is sort of like when you're going 80 and a 60 and you get pulled over and the officer just gives you a warning. That never happens to me. I always get a ticket. But for some of us, we've experienced mercy in that situation because we know we broke the law. We deserve to have to pay a fine because we know the rules and we did what we were going to do anyway. Uh, But mercy is when goodness is shown rather than justice. Now, it's tempting to read this story of the Good Samaritan and kind of look at it and go, well, here is an example of morality. Here's an example of compassion. I need to uh, just emulate that. I need to try harder. I need to try to be a better person. I need to care about other people. But really, that's not what this story is about. This story is about what Jesus has done for us. Because the truth is, Jesus was the Good Samaritan, and we were in the ditch. Uh, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We all have chosen what we wanted. We have chosen our own desires. We've made stupid decisions that got us in bad situations. And the Bible says we were enemies of God. But Jesus, thankfully, in his grace, did not walk to the other side of the road. He came close to us. We were unclean. We were broken. We were bleeding. And he touched us. And he put us on the donkey. And he took us to the inn when he went to the cross. That's what he did for us. He became the sacrifice to end all sacrifices so that we could come home to God, so that we could be brought back to our maker, so that we could become the people God intended us to be. Remember, the lawyer wanted to justify himself And Jesus is showing him, you can't do it. None of us can do it. None of us can be good enough for a holy God. I wonder if you've ever been in a a moment in your life where you knew you were in the ditch spiritually. Um, I've, I've hit that point a few different times in my life where God just showed me like what was really in my heart. And I remember one specific time I was a young mom, I got married very young, and I was trying to figure out like what I believed about the Bible and God and children and birth control, and while I was figuring all that out, I had four kids in six years, and so I was a little slow, but, um, and so that season I had all these little people that I was responsible for, and I was like early 20s, I was really young, and it was hard. It was hard because that was not what I imagined my life would look like. Now, hear me say this. Some of my kids are in the room. If y'all know my children, you know, like, they're the best thing about me. They're amazing gifts from God. But in that season, it wasn't that I didn't like them. I just, it was just a struggle. It was hard. Some of you young moms probably relate to that. It's not glamorous. Nobody's telling you how great you are and, you know, 
you're just changing diapers and feeding people and feeding people and feeding people and feeding people again. And, you know, and I was just, I, all this stuff was growing in my heart, this resentment, this ingratitude. I was resentful toward my husband. I was resentful toward God. I remember I went for a walk one night, and uh, it, was, it was just like the, God put this mirror up to my soul. And I saw all this gross stuff, this ingratitude, this resentment, this bitterness. God, I've done what I'm supposed to do, and I'm unhappy, and all I do is take care of these other people, and I don't get to do anything fun. You know, my heart was in a bad place. And God showed me that, and it was just like, oh, I'm not seeing the gifts. I'm not seeing the good things that God's given. I'm just complaining. So I realized in that moment, and I have many other times as well, like I cannot stand on my own merits before a holy, generous God. I need him. I need to be rescued. And we all need that. So rather than looking at this story and being like, oh, let me try harder to be a good person. No, rather receive the grace and the mercy that God has already extended to you. Let that melt your heart. And then we start to become like the Good Samaritan over time. God means to transform us. He means to lift us up and turn us into these beautiful people who are marked by love and compassion and grace. But I just want you to see that progression because we're, we're, we're so good at just trying really hard, pull up the bootstraps, I can do it. No, we need to receive first and then we can give. So the way of religion says try really hard and God will accept you, do all the right things. But the way of Jesus, the way of the gospel says receive what God has already done on your behalf. Receive it. And you will be transformed into a new kind of human. A kind of human who looks like the Good Samaritan looked. Not striving, religious, duty, but love. Loving response to lavish grace that we've all received, that we did not deserve. But how do we live this way? How do we look like the Good Samaritan? Not in our own effort, but because God has transformed us. Um, it, it's not, faith is not just a, an intellectual exercise. We're meant to be changed. We're meant to act differently than the world acts. I just read a book by N.T. Wright. He's a theologian and uh, pastor. It's called, the book is called After You Believe. It's a great book. If you're a reader, you should read it. Um, but in the book, he's, he's talking about Christian character and virtue and how we believe in Jesus and we embrace the gospel and then kind of the progression of turning into to different kinds of people who are marked by love and faithfulness and self-sacrifice and all these good things. And this is what he writes about that. He says, character strengths don't happen in a rush. You have to work at them. Character is a slowly forming thing. You can no more force character on someone than you can force a tree to produce fruit when it isn't ready. That person has to choose again and again to develop the moral muscles and skills which will shape and form the fully flourishing character. N.T. Wright is a smart dude. Um, so what he's saying here is we don't just suddenly believe in Jesus and all of a sudden we're these amazing Good Samaritan type people. It's a progression. Over time, God changes our hearts. But that, I just, 
I keep saying this because I've been so slow to learn this in my life. Like God wants us to live out of love, like a real changed heart. He doesn't want moral robots. But we also participate. We're not just passive in it. Like the Holy Spirit comes into us and he's like, hey, these are the things that I created you to do and this is the way I created you to be. And then we start making choices that line up with that. Does that make sense? So it's this participation, practice, receiving mercy, giving mercy kind of thing. And this is very different than, than the culture around us is telling us to be. Dan talked about this last week. There's all these voices that we're receiving that are actually shaping how we think in the culture. And those voices say things like, you do you, you be happy, you make yourself happy, don't be bothered with people who might disagree with you, just, it's all about your feeling good in your life, that's the goal. Uh, I read a quote from someone I know who is a Christian that they shared on something, and the quote was, don't burn yourself to keep somebody else warm. And I was like, that's interesting. I wonder what they're talking about. Maybe they're just saying, like, don't be in a toxic relationship, which is true. But it's one of those things that I, I don't think it's right. <laughs> I don't think it lines up with what Jesus taught. Jesus died for you and for me. He was brutally murdered and endured pain and suffering to rescue us. That did not feel good to him. That was not an enjoyable experience. So the Bible teaches us to be self-sacrificial, to put others above ourselves. Now, I'm not saying be a doormat. I'm not saying be in a toxic relationship and don't have any boundaries. Don't hear that. But I am saying the culture is sending messages that we need discernment to go, is that really true? Is that really how we're supposed to think or not? Like the gospel makes us thinking people. We got we to gotta think about these things. Uh, we live in a very, very narcissistic culture. And so we need to have wisdom. We need to be in community to learn how are we supposed to live? What are we supposed to think about other people? Our instinct is not to help. But as we follow Jesus, he can change that instinct to where it is, to where we look like good Samaritans. So practically speaking, what does this kind of person look like who's been transformed by Jesus? Uh, one thing I noticed is that these kind of people have surrendered agendas. The Samaritan had places to be. He obviously had money. He had things to do. He was maybe a business person. But he wasn't so focused on his stuff and his mission and his project that he missed this opportunity to give life to somebody. And I, I'm terrible at this, I'm ter- especially when I drive. When I'm driving, I have a mission, and everybody needs to get out of my way. Why are you in the right lane if you're not turning right? You're keeping me from turning right. Get in the left lane. You know, like, I just think like that's just tunnel vision. It's just selfish. I don't even like, it's like there's people in those cars who have stories and lives. Like, think about that. (laughs) But, But we have to learn to think this way. We have to learn to notice opportunities to help. And I love that the Good Samaritan did that. He wasn't just so focused that he missed it. Uh, also, these kind of people, they don't subscribe to cultural labels. Remember, everybody in his day would have said, don't bother with that Jewish person. We, they hate us. They think we're the worst. Like, you don't need to help them. He didn't subscribe to that. 
We put all kinds of categories around people, and then we treat them a certain way based on that. Low income, high income, liberal, conservative, whatever. All these labels, color of your skin. I mean, we start to believe these things about people. Like, oh, I know this about you, so I also fill in all these other blanks about how I think you are. Good Samaritans don't do that. They see human beings who are made in the image of God, who are immortal souls with intrinsic value and worth. That's who we're called to be. We got to reject those labels and just see people that God created that have a story, that have probably wounds and hurts, and wherever they are, they got there somehow. And it's not our job to figure all that out or fix that. It's just our job to love them so they don't subscribe to those labels. And finally, they help in practical ways. I love how practical this is. I'm not great at practical. I love just sitting around thinking thoughts, and that doesn't really help anybody. But um, this guy was so practical. He had resources. He had a donkey. He had oil and wine. He had a good reputation, a good relationship with this innkeeper, right? He trusted him to, to drop this dude off. He's like, hey, I'm going to come back later. He's like, okay. Um, and he just used those resources to meet the need that was in front of him to meet. It wasn't anything magical. He didn't need to teach him a Bible lesson. He just helped. He did what he could. He used what he had, and he made a difference in this person's life. I was praying for somebody one time, and I was like, oh, Lord, you know, I pray you'd encourage them. They're going through a hard time, and Remind them of who they are and who you are and blah, blah, blah. And I, I so clearly felt the Holy Spirit saying, you do it. <laughs> you got a mouth. You got hands that can text. Come on. I, I text. I don't call. I do call some. Not very much. Um, and I was just like, duh. I mean, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We want God to do everything. He's like, I put you there to do it. You participate. You go say the words that you want me to say. You offer what I have given you and help someone. Only you can do that. There are, all of us in here have unique things that God has given us. Talents, abilities, knowledge. Some of you are great business people. You need to just share that with a younger person who needs your wisdom. Some of you have a house. Open the doors. Let somebody in. Man, the older I get the more valuable I see that hospitality is. You know, you can change somebody's life just by inviting them over for a meal. And it doesn't have to be fancy, y'all. I'm not good at domestic things. I like to read books and watch documentaries. But I've learned to cook decently because I like to eat, so somebody's got to do it. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to be this Pinterest-worthy host. Like, order pizza. Use paper plates. It doesn't matter. Just invite somebody over or share what God's given you because they're a human being who needs a friend. Like it doesn't have to be anything magical or remarkable, just practical. Ask God, what has he given you that you can share? And then do it. It's what God made us to do and it's awesome. Um, people who follow the way of Jesus are to be marked by love. Love should be our primary characteristic. Not that we have all the answers, not that we got a gold star in Sunday school, that we love people in real ways. I love that. I, I want to become more of that. Remember, Jesus, when he was talking with the lawyer, the lawyer said, how do I get eternal life? What did Jesus say? 
Love the Lord your God. How do you love the Lord your God? You love your neighbor. Maybe it's your literal neighbor, your physical neighbor. Some of y'all are great at that. Like you just invite them over. You organize a block party, whatever. Maybe it's a Facebook neighbor. You need to just stop talking. I don't know. But there's somebody God has called you to love. And he wants to do that in you. To answer the question, who is my neighbor? Everybody. Every human being is a potential neighbor, a potential person who can receive the love that God has given to you and receive that grace and be transformed by it. I, um, I went to two funerals this week. It was a heavy week. And both of these funerals were for amazing men who lived beautiful lives. They were great, great men. Uh, one of them was a very close, dear friend. And what made these men so great was not that they were famous or did something nobody else did or were successful in their careers. It was that they loved God and they loved people. That was the, the pattern that I kept hearing, the stories I kept hearing. One of the gentlemen, it, there was a story about him going to his favorite restaurant every week and befriending the guy who brought chips to the table. You know, like how they do that at Mexican restaurants. Somebody brings chips, and they're not even the server. They just bring the chips, and then you don't see him again. But he just befriended this guy, and like to the point where he took him a gift on his birthday and at Christmas, and I was like, who does that? That's amazing. He just saw a human being and decided, I'm going to be a friend of this person. Um, one of the other friends, John Leslie, in a season where... Matthew and I used to fly back and forth from Atlanta several times a month to Houston. And he just came to us and he was like, you don't need to rent a car. I'll just pick you up from the airport. We were like, really? You don't need to get in a hotel. Just stay with us. They have this beautiful home. And they just opened the doors and kind of adopted us. And he would pick us up over and over. He'd take us to dinner, give us shelter. Practical love. Changed our lives, honestly. What makes us great, beautiful human beings is that we love God and we love people. And if your love for God does not look like loving people, something's off. You're not called to go around and be everybody's judge. You're called to love. And so my prayer is that we will all be transformed into these kind of people who look like this, who meet the needs that are in front of them to meet. And I want to thank y'all because I've seen you do this I've seen you bring food on food share I've seen you go on the road and volunteer and serve and do these practical things I love that about our church and I thank you for that I thank you for modeling that for the rest of us let's pray Lord thank you that you gave us your word Thank you that you made us to love in practical ways and that you loved us first. You came first and demonstrated what this love looks like. Thank you for that, God. You didn't leave us on our own. You didn't leave us on the side of the road, but you rescued us. And we're so thankful for that. I pray that you would speak to us now. Um, you know, maybe if you're hearing my voice, you've, you've just been religious with God you're just trying to do the right stuff so that you're in the club. Jesus wants so much more for you than that. He wants you to know him. He wants you to receive his mercy and grace. 
Maybe you're realizing that you are in the ditch and you can't save yourself. And that's a good place to be because Jesus wants to rescue you this morning. Maybe you don't know what you think about any of this and you're just checking it out. And that's great too. Lord, we just ask you to speak to us. We ask you to transform us into men and women who are light in the world, who are peacemakers in the world, who are marked by compassion and love and self-sacrifice. We cannot do that for ourselves. We pray that you would do that in us as we live in community with one another and move toward this transformation that you made us for. We love you and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.